Good morning, Evie Free. How are you guys? Well, our, our fearless leader, Mike Erie, is sick this morning. He has been in bed with like a 102 degree fever for the past several days. So just love and respect and honor that guy so much. And we miss him this morning. Uh, for the past several weeks, uh, they've actually been planning this service. So Mike was particularly bummed that he couldn't be here for this service. Uh, this morning, we're doing an extended time in worship. It's Communion Sunday, and we think at the heart of communion is worship, and at the heart of worship is communion. And, and so beginning on Communion Sundays, we want to start practicing leaning into worship, exploring what is worship, but not just what is it, but the actual practice of doing it. So I'm just going to be up here for about eight minutes to share a brief little devo on worship, and then we're going we're gonna to hop in and just allow our hearts uh, to be directed and aligned with the Lord's heart. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, let's turn to the book of John chapter 4, beginning in verse 20. I, I have an iPad. I'm going to do a little bit of writing with this guy. Um, but in this scenario, uh, Jesus is traveling from Judea to Galilee. Normally Jewish people, if they were um, pious Jews, they would walk around Samaria to get to Galilee. But the text says that Jesus is going to walk straight through Galilee and an encounter with a Samaritan woman ensues. And they begin talking and, and the, the conversation begins to lean towards worship. Now, the Samaritan woman, when you read the text, there are hints and clues that she worships idols. That she has worshipped several idols that have been in the land, but she is deeply unsatisfied and deeply longing for something better. And so we find the woman a bit confused as she talks to Jesus. And so verse 20, we begin, it'll be on the iPad. Uh, the woman is talking and she says to Jesus, our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. She's talking about the mountain in Samaria where they had a temple. And she says, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. So if you lived in the area in the first century, you knew that Samaria had their own temple and Jerusalem had their own temple and there was discrepancy as to where God actually was. There is discrepancy as to where you should actually worship. Verse 21, Jesus replies, Woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain in Samaria nor at the temple in Jerusalem. You Samaritans, you worship what you do not know, meaning that the land was filled with idols. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers, the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. You see, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. This is what Jesus is saying to the Samaritan woman as, as he explains what worship is really all about and the way that Jesus is changing the landscape of worship. So we're going to just camp out in verse 23 for about 10 minutes. Are you guys ready? There's a couple of us that are ready. Most of you are just ready to worship. I get it. I'm with you. Um, but this is what Jesus says. He says, yet a time is coming when things are going to change. A time is coming when things are going to be different. But not only is it coming, Jesus says, that time is here. 
The fact that I am here, that I am present, that the Messiah has come is opening up an entirely new world of possibilities when it comes to worship. He says the true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. Now, when you, when you talk about worship in the biblical sense, it's the idea of, of bowing down, uh, of bowing on one knee, bowing on both knees, and sometimes even laying yourself entirely prostrate on the ground. It, it's the idea of acknowledging God for who he is. It's the idea of being aware of what the world is really like. So he says the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in the truth. Now, what, what, what does this mean? You see, when you were a Samaritan or a Jew, you believed that the temple was the house of the Spirit of God. And the temple could actually contain the Spirit of God. It was the idea that the Spirit of God was bound to a physical place and a physical location. So you have the Samaritans saying, no, our temple is where the Spirit of God is. And then you have the Israelites saying, no, it's our temple where the Spirit of God is. But God says, no, God is Spirit. God cannot be bound to a physical place or to a physical location. So the true worshipers are not going to worship God in a temple necessarily, but they're going to worship God in spirit. Now, for the worshipers of that day, that might mean that they could encounter God in the temple. But it opened up an entirely new world of possibilities. For these new worshipers that can now worship in spirit, the possibility of worshiping in their homes was open to them. The possibility of encountering God's spirit in the marketplace was open to them. The possibility of worshiping God in their schools was open to them. And so when we think about worship in the 21st century, sometimes we just can't wait to get back to church because church is where we worship. And in fact, church is a place where we worship. And it's a very prophetic sign to the world that people from every nation, tribe, tongue, and socioeconomic status will gather together to worship God. But this isn't the only place where the Spirit of God is. Because God is spirit, we have the opportunity to worship God in our cars, in our kitchens, with our families, in our living rooms, with our roommates. This is the idea that God cannot be bound. And because God is spirit, as believers, we have the possibility, the reality of experiencing God wherever we are if we just begin to tap into it. Does that make sense? That's good news. So Jesus says true worshipers will worship God in spirit, meaning they will be able to encounter God wherever two or more are gathered. That could be in their car, in their house, in their church, in their school, in their workplace. But it says they're also going to worship in truth. Truth is central to worship. And when Jesus talks about truth, uh, scholars would say it's, it's kind of a two-sided coin when we talk about worshiping God in truth. One, one of the sides is Jesus says particularly, the true worshipers will worship the Father. They will worship the Father. They aren't going to worship uh, an ethereal being, but they're going to worship God as the Father that has been revealed through Jesus by the Spirit. You see, when Jesus refers to God as Father, He is pulling on all of this imagery. God, the Father of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. God, the Father of Israel, who delivered them, who delivered Israel out of Egypt, and God, the Father of the Son. You see, when Jesus talks about God, he doesn't talk about God in an abstract form, but talks about God as he has been revealed specifically to Israel. 
And so when true worshipers gather to worship, they worship God for who they know Him to be. God as good. God as merciful. God as gracious. God as generous. God as a refuge for the weak, as strength for the brokenhearted. That is the God that we worship. And we worship God in truth because we've been given the truth about who God is. God as Father as revealed in the Scriptures. And so when we come together, we sing songs that declare what God is actually like. We declare the attributes and the nature of God. And there's something about worshiping God in this way that we can begin to align our hearts with what God is actually like. See, if we're not careful throughout our week, we can begin to distort our image and our view of God. But it's precisely the Scriptures where we begin to to draw images of what God as Father is actually like. But the the coin is two-sided, right? We worship God as He is, God being true, God being faithful and strong and just and merciful. But when we worship, we also become aware of the truth of what we are like. That we are people deeply in need of grace. That we are people deeply in need of mercy. That we are people deeply in need of God being our refuge. Of God being our strength. You see, worshiping God in truth is worshiping God for who He is, but also being aware of who we are what we are like. You see, in the Scriptures, at one point, Jesus is talking to a group of Pharisees. And He says, You honor Me with your lips. You say all the right things, but your heart is far from Me. Your heart is actually completely unaware of the condition and the state that it is actually in. But if we're going to worship God, we have to know what God is like and we have to be comfortable becoming aware of what we are like. So in that sense, worship becomes the very thing in which we begin to align our hearts with Jesus. We begin to invite Jesus into all of the broken spaces that we have. All of the broken places. We, we, we sit in our chairs and we hear songs about God being good. And, and sometimes for us, we have to be aware that, God, I don't actually think that you're good. The Bible says that you are. This song says that you are, but if if I'm worshiping in truth and I'm worshiping with the reality of my heart, I don't actually think that you're good. And so in this moment, God, would you you give me revelation that you are good? Or God, I'm singing a song about how strong you are, but it doesn't seem like you're being strong in my life right now. It doesn't seem like you're being strong on behalf of my family right now. In fact, it seems like you aren't capable of doing anything. But God, in this worship, as I sing, would would, would you open myself up to the reality that you are strong? So the idea of worship is not always that we sing what we believe. We oftentimes sing what we want to believe. We sing in such a way that we are shaped into what, what God is calling us to be. We're shaped into changing our paradigms to view God as He is, not as we've distorted Him to be. So Jesus is talking to this woman who has distortions about what God is like. She lives in a land full of idols, a place where pious Jewish people wouldn't even walk. And Jesus is saying, but there is a new day that is here. And because of the reality of Jesus, we can worship God anywhere. 
But in addition, God is going to begin to reveal the truth of who He is to us, but also the truth of who we are to ourselves. And there's probably no better space for this than at the table in communion. It's actually the table of communion that when we come to it, we remember the strength, the sacrifice, the mercy, the grace, and the faithfulness of God. We remember the truth of what God has done for us. And when we come to the table, we also remember the truth of what we are actually like. A sinful, prideful, arrogant people that are in desperate need of God's peace. Desperate need of God's grace. In desperate need of God's mercy. And so this morning, we are just going to open up a time of worship. And we're going to sing songs. And some of the songs that we sing, you're going to say, that's where my heart is. I can sing that with confidence because that has been my experience. And there are going to be other songs that we sing and it's going to say, Lord, this hasn't been my experience, but I want it to be. Lord, this isn't what I believe, but, but I want it to be. So Lord, would you begin to align my heart with who you actually are? It's the space when we are opened up to the reality of who God is. That God is central and we are not. God is good and we are not. God is filled with grace and we want to be. God is so faithful and we want to be. And so when we worship, we remember all of this. And and this leads us to the place where we are worshiping in spirit and we are worshiping in truth. And so without further ado, we want to hop in. We want to worship for the remainder of our time and take communion. And things are going to be a little bit different uh, this morning. Uh, We're actually not going to pass communion. But we have three communion tables on the side walls. We have uh, two up front. And as we worship, we would just say, when you're ready. When you're ready to come, come to the table. When you've investigated your heart and asked God to come in and to bring us into an awareness of what He's really like, come forward. And come with somebody. Come with a roommate. Come with a friend. Come with your family. Come with your spouse. Come with a sibling. And when you come to the table, return and and say the words to each other. Christ's body broken for you. Christ's blood poured out for you. And now when you come, you're going to find bread on the table and you're going to find goblets. And if you're able to walk to the table, we encourage you to take the bread, dip it in the cup, return to your chair with whoever you come with and repeat those words. Um, If you're a person with disability and you're not able to make it down, uh, we have the little cups of juice for someone to grab and take back to you. In addition, we just think giving is a huge part of worship. It's the part where you recognize how generous God has been to us. How good God has been to us. And so kind of on the sides, near the communion tables, there are these these giving boxes. And so you may come and take communion, and you may go sit back down and worship longer and say, Lord, I'm going to go give when you've prompted me to, when I've investigated and searched my heart, because giving is such an integral part of worship. And finally, the most important thing is this is all going to be on your own time. When you're ready, we're not going to go row by row. There won't be ushers bringing people forward. But it'll simply be that as we worship and as we sing and as we pray and as we read scriptures from the screens, when you're ready, come forward. And come as you are. Come filled with faith. 
and come with doubt. Come filled with joy and come with sorrow. Come with strength and come with brokenness. But it's at the table that we remember what God is actually like despite the season that we are in. So let's worship together this morning. Lord, we pause and we ask you to use this time to shape us. To use this time to form us that as we sing, would we put great words on our lips? Would we put the truth of what you are ultimately like and the truth of what we are ultimately like? May, may, may we make those confessions this morning. And so God, as we come to the table, as we pray with those next to us, God, would this be a moment in which we're able to enter into and practice the discipline of worship? That we would become worshipers that worship in spirit and in truth. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Let's worship together. Amen. That was awesome.